Today's question, I'm going to read exactly the way that it came into me. Uh, it's uniquely worded. The question is, what is the angel of the Lord? Now, I must admit, I'm intrigued by how this question has been phrased. I, I'm, I really wish whoever wrote this was sitting here with me so that I could clarify what exactly he or she would like to know about it. I could better answer the question, what is an angel of the Lord? Because then we're talking about their, their makeup, what their essence, what are they? Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? So we can talk about how they are uh, spiritual in nature and how it says in Hebrews 1 7, talking about the angels who maketh his angel spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. So there we're getting into their form or their essence. Uh, if you want to talk about their function, it mentions it here. They are sent forth to minister. And in the book of Psalms, you read about angels uh, guarding over people. Uh, I think we've talked about that in a previous video as well. But the, the question, what is the angel of the Lord? I, I, if we put the word who in the place of what, I can again answer that question a little more succinctly. Who is the angel of the Lord? That, that's a question I've received many times because it depends on the context. Where you're reading in, in the Bible, you could be reading about Michael. You could be reading about Gabriel. Uh, you could be reading about a, a nameless angel, uh, just one of the millions of God's heavenly hosts uh, that is sent forth to accomplish a certain task and uh, we may never know the name of that angel. And then there are some contexts where the angel you read about can be none other than Jehovah manifesting himself to uh, people in an angelic form. And he would do this, I would assume, so that the people were able to look upon him because no one can look on God in his bare essence and, and live but they would be able to take a look at an angelic form that God has uh, taken for that occasion. So let me give you an example or two of that. Uh, I think the best one is in the book of Judges, chapter 2. Now there's some other verses if you're interested to look at. Zechariah, chapter 12, verse 8, seems to intimate this. Uh, Genesis, chapter 48, verse 16, would lend itself to this. Now, this one in Judges, for me, is quite clear. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1, And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? This angel is taking credit as Israel's deliverer, bringing them up uh, out of Egypt. God made that pretty clear, right? I am the Lord your God that brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So when I read this passage, I cannot see it any other way other than the Lord himself came down in an angelic manifestation or form in order to confront the people. So you do have that in the Old Testament. Now, there are some that, that uh, teach that even Jesus has pre-incarnate appearances 
in the Old Testament where he came down in the form of an angel. And I really don't have any problem with saying that. I, I believe that it's true. I think the, the ending of Joshua 5, where Joshua meets that angel of the Lord, uh, and the angel tells him, I'm the captain of the Lord's host. Take your shoe off your foot. This is holy ground. I think that's a very fine example of a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ, and he would have done that in an angelic form. However, because I also think it's clear in the Bible that Jesus is God, uh, that he, he thought it not, when he was in the form of God, the Bible says, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took upon him the form of a servant, right? So, so God can take on different forms depending on how he wants to manifest himself. And in the Old Testament, he chose to, at times, take on the form of an angel. So whether you say it's a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ or you say it is Jehovah manifesting himself in the form of an angel, I, I think the two would be fairly interchangeable in the Old Testament. Uh, when you get to the New Testament, however, you have an occasion in the book of Acts where Paul is about to be shipwrecked uh, along with the other 275 people on the boat. In Acts chapter 27 and verse 23, Paul tells us about a vision that he had. And he says, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Well, Paul makes it clear in the, uh, in the book of Colossians, we're not supposed to be worshiping angels. We're not supposed to be serving them. Paul says here he's a servant to an angel. And to take it a step further, whose I am? He, he claims to be... Uh, let's say, a possession of this angel, that, that this angel has purchased him to some extent or owns him, that's something that you would say about Christ. So this, to me, uh, would show a post-incarnate appearance of, of Christ. But again, I think the argument could be made. You, you could say that it is just God making a, uh, an appearance, a, a a visible appearance in an angelic form. Because what Paul is saying here is true, whether you're speaking of Christ, specifically the second person of the Trinity, or whether you're speaking about the three-in-one Godhead, both things are true. Paul serves God, and Paul has been purchased by God's blood, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. So uh, I, I believe that God did in the Old Testament and can in the New Testament manifest himself with this angelic uh, nature. Now, there are some religions that believe Jesus and Michael the archangel are actually one person, that they're one and the same. So I think this is a good place to, to slip in a quick word about that. Hebrews chapter 1 makes it abundantly clear that Jesus and the angels are two separate groups, that he is made so much better than them. That, that's the whole point of Hebrews chapter 1. And then in Hebrews 2, we read in verse number 16, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. So Hebrews 1 shows us that Jesus is far above the angels. Hebrews 2 starts off talking about uh, the humanity of, of Jesus, how he came down, humbled himself, and became like unto his brethren. Because of his humility, because of his death on the cross, uh, because of everything that he was able to suffer as he was in that human form, 
uh, now he's able to, to help us and support us no matter what the occasion requires. But it says it, he took not on him the nature of angels. Well, if he was already in angelic form, that is, if he was Michael the archangel, it would not say he took not on the nature of angels. It would say he left behind the nature of angels and took on the nature of, the, of humanity, the, the seed of Abraham. So for that teaching of Michael and Jesus being one, for that to be true, you would have to really reword verse 16. It just, it's not consistent with that teaching. So, I hope I've dealt with the question. I realize that there, there's a little bit of ambiguity in how it was asked, uh, but if there's anything else I can help with on this topic, feel free to leave that in the comments below. If this video has helped, you can click the like button. If you'd like to follow along with our Bible Q&A blog, you can click subscribe. Feel free to leave a Bible question in the comment section below or visit us on our Facebook page, Bible Baptist Church of Pachastruam. And if you live in town, we'd like to invite you to one of our services, and we hope to see you soon. May God bless, and have a great day further.